We are back on SAS Life FM. Sam, it is good to see you. How are you? Hey, hey, I am doing wonderful. I would like to say that I'm well rested and <laughs> sleeping a full eight hours a night, but that's not quite the case. But I am back. So I'm I'm really happy to be here and chatting with you today. It's it's exciting. It's been it's been a while. I think six weeks or so. Yeah. Well, you look well rested. So even if oh, you're thanks. not, you're faking it well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. So mom and baby are home doing great. We're starting to get into our routines. I've been back at work at least part-time, maybe a week or two, and it's good to get back. Had a really good, great family time and just kind of spending a lot of time with with everyone. But it, I definitely had the itch to get back and start building some stuff out again and, and getting back into the, the regular routine. So happy to be back. I'm curious for a bootstrapper, what does paternity leave look like? I mean, you can't just yeah. completely take off, can you? Or did you? I, I tried as much as I could, but no, you, you can't. And you know, when I compare it to when our first daughter was born, I was working at a university gig. So awesome benefits. And I literally <laughs> turned on the out of office and I said, I'll see you in six weeks or eight weeks, whatever it was. And didn't, didn't, think about work the entire time. This was definitely a lot different. Uh, I, I shut down all demos. And so like you literally couldn't schedule a demo with me during during that that core paternity time. So that kind of helped with things. But there's always customer support that comes in. So, you know, I'd be doing emails 11 o'clock at night or whenever I could. And when, when I could kind of be awake and, and find a, a chunk of time. So that really was a survival mode try to keep people up to date. I did have an out of office on, which helped. So people, you know, if it really wasn't pressing, they, a lot of times they'd get my out of office and they'd say, oh, congrats, no worries on this. We'll talk, we'll talk later on. It was interesting that all of those demos kind of stacked up. So the first week that I'm back, I think I had eight or nine demos in a single week. And to put it in context, like a good month historically has been like five demos, like for the entire month. So to have eight in one week was like really it's exciting, but it was also exhausting. And yeah, so. So when you blocked off that, did you just block off the time on your calendar and the first available slot was that week you were back? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's cool that people wanted it enough that they were willing to wait, right? I viewed that as a good sign. Absolutely. Yeah. And there was, there was maybe a handful, now a couple of them that kind of fell out that, you know, they might have booked it a long time ago and forgot about it and just were no show. So the no show rate was definitely higher, but overall people were patient and willing to wait, which was, which I, I took as a really good sign. Yeah. That is a good sign. Nice. Well, it is good to have yeah. you back. It's good to be back on the, the podcast here. Yes. Good to be back. And I have, I have one story that I want to tell that just kind of stuck in my mind from <laughs> just to also kind of illustrate what it's like to be a new parent in general. <laughs> and so this past Sunday, I went out to mow and I have one of those just push mowers and you pull the string to start it up, pulled it a few times, mower wouldn't start. So I'm like, Oh, great. Of all days, I have this limited window to get this thing done. And so I'm like, well, you know, let's check the deck. And so I flipped it over, looked at that. It looked all clear. Looked at the air filter that was dirty, so I replaced that. But then I'm like, tried it again and like, no, no start. And so I'm like, maybe I flooded it, you know, so I checked the spark plug, cleaned that off. So I did all this work. And then finally, I'm like, I'm just gonna let this thing sit. I'll come back to it in 20 minutes and see if it starts up then. And so I go back into the house, sit down on the couch, and then I realize what the problem was. I wasn't holding down the safety bar. <laughs> I was so, <laughs> my brain just wasn't making that connection that you needed to do that in order to get the thing started. And so I'm like, oh, man. And so I go back out, 
do what you're supposed to do. And it starts right up. And I'm like, okay, that's, I need a little bit more sleep. <laughs> yeah, probably. I think the real lesson is you need an electric mower. That's what we use. Oh, that too. It, but yes, yes, yes. Well, we so, are definitely anyway. not in new baby mode and I am much better rested than you, but we are currently puppy sitting for a friend. Oh, wow. We have a that four- can be more difficult <laughs> depending on the puppy. Yeah, I, I would not say more difficult, but it's a lot. If you hear barking in the background, that's why. We've got a 14-year-old dog who, you know, likes to sleep a lot. Yeah. And this is a puppy who has boundless energy. It's a, it's a change. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So between that and starting summer break, the kids are home from school. School's over. We've had a, we've had a full house over here. Wow. Wow. That's fun. It is. Never a dull moment. No, no. Yeah. Lots of activity. And in the meantime, I've been kind of deep. I posted my first stack overflow question in probably more than 10 years. So that was oh, that wow. was pretty funny. Just actually logging in. I, I was I like to code, but I'm definitely have not kept up skill set wise. So I do a lot of the like scripting or data manipulation, or in this case, okay, we've got a yeah, basically do this big data transform with some images and everything. So anyway, could not figure out how to get image magic to do what I needed it to do, posting on Stack Overflow, and then looking back at all my questions from like 10 or 12 years ago, mostly WordPress related, but it, it was kind of a trip down memory lane. So that's what I've been dealing with. Did you with. get your answer? No. No. <laughs> I got an answer and it wasn't very good. Oh, and then I realized, funny. you know what? I'm going to put this for 25. It was literally just the image manipulation, like take one image, resize it, but recursively go through all these subdirectories, resize the images to three different sizes, delete the original, blah, blah, blah. Got it. I'm like, I'm going to post this for 25 bucks on Upwork. And sure enough, like got it done yeah. in you know, 15 minutes as opposed to me spending an hour trying to figure it out. So one thing that I use, there's this service called Kraken.io. That's an API-based image manipulation. And so they do resizing and they they compress the image too. And so it's a great way to kind of reduce your file size and things like that. That might be something that you might be interested in or taking a look at. I don't know what your needs are, but I've been using it pretty well for, for merchants because there's such a limited size that they can send image messages through SMS or MMS. And so they they have to be under 500 KB. Sure. And so... Being able to resize that on the fly and not putting that burden on the merchant, we use that within within the platform. Kraken.io. Um, so, and I know, yeah, Kraken.io. And there's there's other services out there like that, but they, although they had a huge outage while I was out on paternity leave, like three days out, no three communications. Days. Yeah, yeah. And like no communication, like my account was deleted and then they finally restored it type of thing. So like mm. huge database issue that they had. So you know, maybe be a little bit leery of having it in prod, but. What does that look I'm, like I'm for you when them. they, I mean. Are you very dependent on them for anybody sending an, an it's, MMS? No, it's it's a nice to have because it happens at the upload when the, the merchant is creating the campaign. So as a fallback, if we can't compress it, we just send an error to the, the merchant and say, hey, you need to resize this. I like to have that in place as an in-between because then they can take you know an image straight from their camera or an image straight from their website that is going to be bigger. And we kind of handle the resizing and the compression for them. So it's a nice to have, definitely relieves the burden on the merchant, but no, it's not mission critical for us. Okay. Well, that's good at least. So things didn't completely fall apart while you were gone. Yeah. I had to do some code tweaking to to accommodate the outage so that it become more, we give a better error response to the, we've, we fail gracefully now. So yeah, I had to, had to accommodate that, but I don't know, something to look at. Those are the type of things though, that, you know, 
when they happen, if you didn't, you know, you don't necessarily think ahead and, and you don't have a giant team. So you're not going to actually build in that redundancy right out of the gate. At least certainly right. we wouldn't. I mean, we're just trying to get the, the main features in. So when they happen in a way, it's kind of nice because you could say, oh, this is an area I can harden a little bit more. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and especially since this wasn't, you know, this doesn't involve the checkout process or anything like that. And so those are areas that we definitely put a lot more energy and effort into making sure if this service goes down, how do we handle this? If there's these types of errors, how do we handle that? Because that's so mission critical. But like you said, this was kind of a outlier and a nice to have piece. So we definitely had some error handling. It just wasn't as robust as it needed to, because you kind of assume that the and maybe it's a bad assumption that the service will be there. <laughs> at least, at least if it has an outage, it's like maybe an hour or two, not days. <laughs> and so you're kind of like, because for me, especially, it's like, what are the odds of a merchant putting together a campaign at the exact same time that they're going to have an outage? Probably very little, especially with the volume of merchants that we have right now and the number of campaigns they're sending. But when it spans, you know, <laughs> three, three, four, days, five it's days, gonna... it's a very good odds that that it's going to get hit. So. Yeah, we haven't had any of those yet. We have had some little weird best things happen that we've had to build around and, and be careful. I mean, your checkout process is the thing that can't go wrong, that is just mission critical. In our world, it is ensuring that the integrity of the data, right? So we absolutely have to make sure that that data is safe and backed up, of course, but also that, that the integrity remains throughout the process. So we, we did hit a little error at one point where the service we were using to make PDF reports was not, it was caching the PDFs improperly. And so a user would update an inspection in the editor. Because remember, the process typically is they come in from the field, they are all gathered in Pipetech Hub, and then the customer will go and QA it. And during the QA process, there's lots of subtle changes, you know, correcting misspellings, things like that. Then they'll prepare the deliverable for the customer, their end customer. This is for contractors or an in-house customer, like an engineer, if it's a city. And what was happening was basically they'd make these changes, but then the changes wouldn't get written to the PDF. And, and the real problem was it took us a while to find it because people aren't, you know, they're not QAing their QA. They're just assuming that's going to work. And so some things slipped through the crack where their deliverables got rejected because something was wrong and then they don't get paid. And it's, you know, it's critical. So those are the areas we try to pay the most attention to. Yeah. Caching can be, can be kind of a double-edged sword like that, especially if, and I don't know what the interface does on your end, but if it's one of those things where it's like they save the, the settings and it's like PDF has been updated and maybe the PDF actually has, but you're serving up the cached version that's not updated, but everything that you're seeing is like, no, this saved, it updated, it's good, but it's a delivery issue rather than a, a system issue. And that, that can be, that can be true. Yeah. They can be fun to chase down, but that's kind of part of it. I mean, and, and that's really, I guess, to segue right into at least what I've been up to the last six weeks. I, I wish I could say it was something sexy and fun and unveil all these new features. But we've been spending just a ton of time now that we have kind of a critical mass of, of customers of, of all different types using it. So they're pretty representative, I think, of what our user base ultimately will be like. So we've been spending a lot of time just learning from them, hardening areas of the site, working through data errors, because as we've talked about ad nauseum, a huge part of what we do is, is really ETL type stuff or ELT type stuff. So lots of data flowing through a big pipeline of different sorts. And 
you can mock it up as much as you want in testing, but our users anyway are going to find the edge cases. So we've been fixing those and, and working through them and, and just, it's kind of the grind. It's just one little thing after another. I can see that being really frustrating because you feel like you're being held back from the cool features and the things that you want to do. I always take take pride in the fact that you know that once you come across those edge cases and you solve it, then hopefully that same problem doesn't come up again. And so you really are improving the system for any future user that's going to be going to be using the platform. But it takes time, and it it just you feel like it's like you're you're on that hamster wheel running in place, not going anywhere, even though you're making progress. It, that's exactly what it is. And I I actually it's kind of been interesting because I feel better about it this time around than I have in the past. I'm now convinced that this is a process that everybody goes through when developing a new product and that the more complicated the the product is, you know, or the more data intensive anyway that it is, the more systems that are interacting, the longer it's going to take. I mean, we, and, and it applies to hardware too. In the robot business, we did the same thing, done it with other software launches. So I guess it doesn't make it any less annoying because I do want to move yeah. on to some of the other things, but I completely accept it and, and we'll get there. What do you attribute to the, the mentality shift there? Um, I mean, it's obviously that you have a different viewpoint today than like you would have been in the past when you hit the same problem. What do you think is driving that? Yeah, I think it really is just experience. And I've done this before. I mean, I've seen this kind of pattern through a number of different products now, both hardware and software. I mean, one of the main differences probably is actively trying to cultivate that mindset, you know, that it's, it's easy to kind of get down and be like, oh my gosh, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Are we ever going to get out of this? But you can also flip it around and, and just look at it and say, okay, every single patch we make every, every time we improve the product is getting us closer to getting through to the other side. And that's where we'll get, you know, and to be clear, by and large, things are working really well and they're going great. So there's lots of those really positive moments too, where customers love it. It's just difficult when something prevents the user from doing what they need to do in order to get paid because it becomes an emergency for them. And therefore it becomes an emergency for us, even if it's just a tiny little fix. You know, they have to hop on the phone. We're doing screen sharing and it can eat up an hour or two. Yeah. And you're, you're definitely burning through some goodwill there, unfortunately. And even if it's a simple mistake and if you handle it well with customer support, you know, that's a chance to redeem it, but it definitely, it, it leaves a sting in your customer's mind a little bit or places maybe a little tiny seed of doubt as well. And I've experienced that too with customers and it's frustrating for everyone that's involved. And it's just, you, you just, you, you'd like to avoid them, but you also know that it's not possible. I mean, especially with where you're at, you're finally working with real world data. You know, we see similar things where it's like, I can make the best test catalog of products that I can think of, but until I'm dealing with a merchant's real world product data with their variants and their tweaks and their, all their, their descriptions and their images, until you see that in the real world, you just can't accommodate for all of it. That's right. I mean, and part of a silver lining for us too, is that we are accommodating so well by and large, right? It feels really good to say, okay, yeah, we did think this through really yeah. well. We did put our experience in the industry and with other products to good use. So it's our foundation is strong. But we do have to continue building that foundation before we turn on the, the marketing fire hose and really start trying to attract new customers. 
That's great. Anything else going on? What else is going on? Well, one of the things that's come up that's kind of interesting is just the size of some of these deliverables. So, you know, our customers will basically gather all the data, they'll QA the data, they'll then prepare a deliverable that right now still gets downloaded. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever, have you downloaded like a really large file, like call it, you know, five gigs or, or larger on Google Drive? I can't recall if I have. Okay. okay. What they <laughs> I can't do, recall the experience. <laughs> it's not a great experience. And okay. that is worrisome because if Google can't solve it, then it's going to be challenging. But basically, you know, what Google does, if you're downloading a big file, first they'll zip it and then they'll spawn a download. But if it's too big, they'll actually spawn multiple downloads. And it's a little bit weird. Every time it happens, you go, wait, okay, I clicked download. Did I not click it? Or did I accidentally click the button twice to make two pop up? But no, so you end up downloading these two or more zip files that kind of break up and they don't tell you ahead of time that break up the data. And then it's even worse because the data will have duplicate directories and one directory will have half the contents and the other directory will have the other half. So you've got to merge that all together. That's what I was doing wow. with rsync this morning as, as part of it. Got it. So, it's so these, are all, these are all separate, separate files. These, these aren't like a single file or can they break up a single file like that? It's also, I, in my experience, it's all been separate files, but okay. I've been, and I've been prodding at it a bit. I haven't found a, a limit to a single file. I'm sure there I is see. one, but just trying to learn and trying to figure out how do we make our customers life better because we run into a similar thing with part one part two part three Mm, we don't split directories or make it weird like that you know each directory contains full inspections but we're just trying to think through how to improve that experience and at the same time we're also trying to lead our users toward downloading the data less because that's expensive so you know we end up with customers who will download the data because they want to look at it and make sure that it meets the specification and that, you know, the data is arranged and named the way they want it. And then they'll send it to their customer who downloads it again. So lots of little things around that user experience is kind of the new, new and fun thing we're building. And then we're also, as we're learning from customers and hopping on these calls and we're, we're doing lots of screen sharing and stuff, I'm seeing a need for even further feature segmentation between what contractors need and what they want to do and what municipalities need, and a little bit between what large and small need and do. So that's been useful, and it's helping me kind of both put features in certain buckets, which eventually will likely map to price tiers, but also contemplating actually naming things differently, hiding certain things, and Mm, just trying mm -hmm. to make a user's experience better depending on what it is that they exactly need to do. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So it sounds like <laughs> a lot of decision points, a lot of, a lot of stuff floating in your head right now. A lot of learning. And all of that is leading up to an actual marketing campaign launch here that we're going for by the end of the month. So I forced myself to put up what is currently a pretty terrible marketing site. We're going to improve it by the end of the month. And we're actually trying out a user list IO for the first time to segment existing customers that we've got. So we've got a bunch of kind of data munging to actually try to apply different tags and and different segmentations to those customers and then send out a a marketing campaign to try to ultimately get demos going. That's great. How have you been collecting these 
are, do you have a landing page right now or are you capturing emails in some way and kind of segmenting them? We do have a landing page. So that's the, the, it's, it's bad, but it's, it's up. So that was the, you know, sometimes <laughs> you just set a deadline and say, I'm putting something up by this. Time. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so, so we do have that. We are capturing emails, but actually most of this is just from past industry experience. Sure. So it's yeah. a lot of me looking at all different sources of past customer data that I've yep. got. And you're, you're using your existing, existing network, which is, which is fantastic that you can, you can rely on that. Yeah. So, but it'll be fun. I mean, and I, I think we'll hit that deadline. And so we will, it was supposed to be, if you recall Q2 that we really started marketing, but Sure, it's going to be Q3 and, and it'll happen. It'll happen. That's great. Well, I'm excited to hear the results of that and how hopefully that drives up some, some interest and, and fills up your pipeline. I'm excited to hear about that. Yeah, me too. What about you? Yeah, so we talked a little bit about what my past month has looked like, and personally, was very—I don't want to say absent, but I was—I definitely uh, the business took a back seat for me personally. The great news is stuff still continued to get done while I was gone. So two things, two efforts have really come to fruition. The first is Text Retailer's marketing site has been revamped and launched finally. So I've been working with an agency for a long while and they kicked it into high gear and we actually launched this week. And so the new text retailer marketing site is out. I'm very happy with it. There's still a lot to be done content wise, but I am no longer, I'm actually excited to show the site to potential customers now. So that's one thing that I kind of held back a little bit in the back of my mind. I'm like, it just, it just really wasn't up to what I wanted it to be, but that's out there and I'm really excited for it. And it looks awesome. For Sam. Yeah. I, oh, I cool. got a chance Thanks. to check it out. It looks awesome. Thanks. Yeah. And, and, and there was, there was stuff that was missing from the old site that's now addressed. So there was like huge features that weren't even talked about on the old site, like our quick cart concept that are now not only featured, but featured prominently on the new website. So I'm really excited to see how that just kind of in drives potential customer engagement. I feel I feel like it's it makes us look a lot more serious and a lot more established than we did before. The old site wasn't bad, but it definitely wasn't as polished as this one was. So I I think it's going to have some good brand implications as well as some SEO implications and just general awareness. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. So it sounds like right now you're looking at it more from a credibility standpoint and less as like actively driving traffic or converting customers, but that's something you're going to try to build toward. The, the goal is to always to get that demo signed up right now, you know, so the more content that we can have, the more we can talk about what the product does and how it does it differently. That's, that's definitely the end goal. But yeah, I mean, this is, I viewed this as the foundation where we can build different campaigns, whether it's comparison pages or dedicated landing pages for Google ads, you know, things like that. We now have the basis style-wise, content-wise to kind of drive more content on that website. So I'm excited to see where this goes. And it definitely is going to be kind of the bedrock of the marketing efforts moving forward. So I'm I'm pretty proud of it. Good. Well, you should be. Looks looks great. So I can't wait to see how that goes. Yeah. And kind of along those same lines, you mentioned pricing. I actually had the benefit of working with some tiny seed mentors and completely revamped the pricing structure. So much more simple now than it was in the past from a merchant's perspective, easier to understand, easier to digest. So I'm excited to see how that kind of impacts things as well. But had a, had a few sessions where just kind of did a deep dive into 
how we're currently doing pricing, different ways to simplify it, strategies for enterprise pricing and things like that. So I'm pretty excited to see those in the real world as well. Do you post your pricing on on the site? We do. Yes. So, and right now we've moved down to, it used to be we had three different featured tiers. So we were doing feature gating where you had like good, better, best. But within those tiers, you had the ability to select different amounts of credits, messaging credit allocations. And so a lot of decision points, it was kind of like this big matrix that a a merchant had to figure out. The other thing is our lowest tiered plan, which quote unquote, did not include a lot of the features. I never actually implemented the feature gating. So, (laughs) so, so they had access to everything. And so it became very clear that that, that starter plan or whatever we called it just didn't make any sense to have anymore. So moved it more towards now we have a standard, we have a pro and an enterprise, and they're much more clearly defined, still flexible for the merchants, you know, to, to grow within their particular plan. But it's just, it's just much, it's just easier to understand. It's easier to explain in a demo. It's easier to get people on board that way. So I'm excited to see how that that impacts things. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that I've been working on is I mentioned I had the, maybe I did mention this, but I hired a developer resource on Upwork about a couple of weeks before I went on paternity leave because I kind of had this epiphany moment of like, just because I'm gone doesn't mean we, we can't keep developing stuff. And so that's the first time I've ever hired a developer and I'm very happy to report that that was a fantastic match. This developer is just crushing it. Just, just, just really good. I mean, the, the, the quality code is good. The questions that come in are good. The attention to detail is fantastic and it works. And so it's just, there's something about putting together a to-do list, signing it. And then a day or two later, it's done. You can check the code and it's like, Hey, this is might have some minor tweaks here and there, but it's just, it's just really nice to see. And the benefit that I've had with this one is it's not our core product. And so that kind of gave me the flexibility and freedom to say, go do your own thing within these standards. But I'm much less, I guess, finicky about how the code looks because I'm actually probably not going to touch it that often. And so it's this standalone pop-up widget that merchants can install on their website That'll capture a email address and a phone number to grow their subscription list, both email and, and, and SMS lists. And we're putting a whole bunch of customizations in there. And so a lot of flags, a lot of options, a lot of customization that the merchant can put in. And uh, it's working really, really good so far. So hopefully launching in the next week or two. I'm excited. Hopefully by end of June, that'll be out. Okay. So will you continue working with this developer once it's I would like to. Yeah, that's that's kind of the next thing that I'm thinking about is once this wraps up, how to get him more involved in other areas if he wants to. So right now he's just been doing front end Vue.js JavaScript development. He says that he has PHP experience, which is what our underlying backend is built on. But this project has worked really well where I handle all the backend. He just handles the front end. And so and that's kind of how our administrative interface is built, too. So there's there's definitely potential for that to happen. That's going to be a little bit scary in the sense that if he gets into my code, what his opinions are going to be on the stuff that I've built. So we'll see. I that's still in the back of my mind of, do I get him in there? But yeah, I, I definitely think I could see working with him on a lot of projects moving forward. So I'm excited for the future of that. That is great. One and done. Took me a few, a few tries before I found a good team. I was very fortunate, very fortunate. So, And th- this was through Upwork, right? Yes, through okay. Upwork and still working through Upwork. And we, yeah. it's, it's funny because we've moved most communication off of Upwork. So we still have yes. the chat sometimes, but actually most of that occurs. 
I just created a project in, in my base camp and we're using that for, I can put long form messages to kind of describe features. The thing that I really like about Basecamp's to-do list is you can put a whole bunch of commentary on it, a single to-do item. So I can put a to-do item, put a comment on there of like, here's more descriptions, here's some images, here's some context around that to-do item. And then we can have a back and forth that's all self-contained within that to-do item. So that's where the vast majority of our conversation is happening. And then Upwork is just kind of the, the payment where he logs his hours and, and gets paid. Yeah, that's that's where we always end up on Upwork as well. Like we don't mm-hmm. we don't do anything with the messaging or anything other than for tiny little projects, but we don't yeah. use uh Basecamp either. We use linear. And yeah, you've I talked love, about that before. Yeah, I, I love linear. they they are continuing to build out new features and they're great. So if you I ever could, I could see, if you ever want to try. Yeah. It. Yeah, I could see there's definitely some pros and cons to how Basecamp is. I we just used it because I already had it. It's relatively easy when working with a single individual one-on-one, like what we're doing. I could definitely see it falling apart if that development team ever gets larger or we have multiple contractors working on the same project. I can definitely see it falling apart there and needing a different solution. So, but so far, so good. It works for what we need. Well, <laughs> I didn't want to so have it, that it challenge is, of, uh, <laughs> of building, of finding a new new vendor right. right before starting a project. No, it's it's easy to optimize the wrong things. And if Basecamp yeah, works, yeah. then <laughs> who cares? Keep going. So what's next on the docket then? Looking ahead yeah, over so, the next couple of weeks. So it's kind of putting the final touches on on this pop-up widget. There's definitely some things that are on my my end that need to be built. We have kind of a laundry list of customer requests that need, you know, smaller items. And like I mentioned, I had those really good demos this past week. So there's some ideas on what we features that we're lacking that we need to kind of make some progress on, but also had some really good conversations with existing customers this week and last. And they're starting to get to that point where they've used the system for at least a quarter or two, maybe a half a year. And so they're starting to get a sense of new tools or reporting that they need. And so building those things out are are, are definitely there. And I, I have to be careful of not getting into that trap of just continually improving text retailer and the the core platform. And so I'm balancing that with marketing efforts and really being more cognizant of how do I fill that pipeline? How do I get more demos? Had a really interesting conversation with someone yesterday that out of the blue, they, they, they found the new site, reached out, wanted to schedule a demo, didn't really commit to a demo, but just said, hey, can you call me? I just have a few preliminary questions. And they're checking a lot of our boxes. They have a great existing list. They love the concept. They're on big commerce, which is an exciting thing for us. But they made the key point. They're like, well, first of all, there's a payment processing. They want us to, they would love for us to use Braintree, which is the PayPal product, as opposed to Stripe. It's been on my list to, to potentially integrate with that payment processor. So it's not a deal breaker for them, but they, it's a nice to have. But they said something interesting. They were just more of like, we want other big commerce merchants to go down this path first, give them a few months, and we want to make sure that your app is stable. Not that they didn't trust me, but it sounded like they were burned in the, and they just wanted to not be an early adopter necessarily. They love the idea and they said, let's, let's chat, you know, in a few months and we'll go from there. So interesting stuff. Yeah, very interesting. And that is sometimes the way it goes. With We see this too with customers. Mm-hmm. They're just not ready. And for those folks, at least in my world, great. I put them on a list and, and 
I will follow up once I've got the proof points that you need. Because for every one of those, there are plenty of people who are willing to be an early adopter in yep. order to take advantage of new tech. 100%. And that's that's what I'm seeing is there's merchants that are like, can I get started tomorrow? Because they love the concept and they just love, they see the power of it. And there's, and frankly, it's those more, the the people that have more larger lists, you know, they already have something that's working for them and working well. They have to be cognizant of, we don't want to mess up the revenue that we have coming in the door already, even though we see the value in it. Whereas some of the other merchants that are moving right now, they're just like, we just want more revenue. This is great. There's no really downside because they're, they're probably developing a list from scratch. And so all they see is upside. Whereas some of the more established merchants, they have a, an existing program that they need to preserve as well. So definitely going up against those other platforms and what they're used to now and, and, and feature sets and things like that, that they're, that they're expecting with their current platforms, which is a challenge, but at the same time, the payoffs could be much larger, you know, for us because an, an account like that, you know, it's, there's a lot of messaging that's going out. So that's good for us. Great. Well, what are you into, Sam? I'm into coffee, coffee, <laughs> and more coffee. It doesn't matter the brand. It doesn't matter the flavor. It doesn't matter if there's cream or not. Just give me the coffee. <laughs> Caffeine. Need it, need it, need it. But no, I, I say that tongue in cheek. We're, we're actually doing really well sleep wise, getting there to, to an actual, actual point, but definitely, definitely enjoying that, that morning brew. And then the second one and then the third one to keep, to keep the wheels churning. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I remember those days. Well, mine is not quite as exciting, but I did buy a little leak detector made by Monoprice. So it's like you put it in, in this case, it's going into my crawl space. We've been okay. getting a lot of rain around here. I don't know if you've read about the flooding in Yellowstone. We're not too I far have. from Yellowstone. So nothing terrible, but we did get a bit of water in the crawl space. Sure. And I was then going down there basically after every rain, which was daily, make sure we didn't have more water in the crawl space. There's right. got to be an app for this. So anyway, this one fit the bill made by Mono Price. It was like 20 bucks. And sadly, I can report that it works. When there's water, it sends a message to my phone, which it has done. It does. Okay. Because yeah. we have kind of the 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 cheap version down in our basement just, just in case like the sump pump gives out or whatever. But it's essentially it's a box with a nine volt battery in there. And if you, you complete the connection with the water on the ground, then it just sounds like a, a lar- large alarm alarm. But this actually goes to your phone. You, no, this you goes to the phone and it some of the other I kind of went down a rabbit hole looking for these. Some of the other brands require you to be part of their whole ecosystem so like why is uh wyze well you need a base station you need this you know so it's like an add-on to a home security system type thing sure this was just standalone again it was like 20 bucks i think and downloaded their app connected it to wi-fi and it seems to just work it does have an audible alarm as well but being in the crawl space we wouldn't really hear it anyway so Yeah. yeah yeah that's a good point yeah so does it just say there's water or there's not water or does it go more in-depth measurements than, than that? No, it's just, just leak, water leak or no detected. Water. <laughs> yeah, which works fine for us because the only real good answer is no water. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, good luck with that. And I know it's going to be a, a tough time for a lot of people in your area. So hopefully the the waters go down and you know Yellowstone reopens and you know it's not a non long term impact so hopefully that all all turns around for everyone floodings are tough we've we've gone through a major one up in Cedar Rapids I mean it's about 
gosh, 10, 10, 15 years ago. And it's, it, it changes everything. It, it just has such long-term impacts on areas when you have a major flood like that. Yeah, it's not fun. And thankfully, we're, we're not super affected. Even our, our town of Bozeman is not getting hit nearly as hard as some of the surrounding communities. So hopefully yeah. they all make it through. Yes, yes. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think we'll call it a day. Everyone, thank you very much again for listening. We're, we're excited to be back and we're excited to give you more frequent updates about everything that's going on in our world. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya. See ya.